When people ask the question, what is my purpose? What is my destiny? What is my reason for being here? The word they're really looking for is righteousness. And we see righteousness described and mentioned throughout the scriptures from Genesis right to Revelation. Jesus said there are three parts that make up righteousness. And on today, we're going to explain what those three parts are. Make sure you stay with us. You are listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at dariusgood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. You are listening to the Good Treasure Podcast Show, and my name is Darius Good. If you're listening by radio, thank you for joining us again. And if you're listening by podcast show, remember to hit the subscribe button. That way you do not miss any episodes. Also, rate our show and leave a comment. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Visit our website today, DariusGood.com. I have quite a few books that are available. I have a comic book, which is called David, Man of War. And it tells the story of David. It's written in comic book style. And I used a uh, rhyme style of writing the story. It is based on the King James Version of the story of David. I wrote this story because I found as a teacher, many times the audience, the congregation, the listeners are not familiar with the stories. And so they've been told these childlike versions of the story. And so when it comes to me teaching uh, spiritual truths, uh, a lot of what I'm sharing, they're not familiar with. And so I wanted to do a children's version uh, so that the kids will learn the truth, the real version of David's story. So visit the website today, Darius Good. Dot com and look at all the book titles that we have there as well as our other podcast show you are listening to episode number eight and today's episode is entitled the three parts of righteousness jesus made the statement in matthew chapter 5 verse 20 he said i say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and pharisees you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let's first define the concept of righteousness or the definition of righteousness that is used in this verse by Jesus. This word righteousness means state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. I'll read that again. State of him who is as he ought to be, righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. For every single one of us, there is a, a state that we are to mature or grow into so that we become what we ought to be. That means that before we were born, God pre-saw our destiny. He saw purpose. He saw what we were to be. And what's very interesting is we have the examples of life 
where everything starts in seed form. So we have a apple seed, but that apple seed does not reflect or reveal to us what the potential is of the seed. All we see is the small black seed seedling. But when you take that seed and you place it into the ground in the right environment, the right soil, and it gets the right amount of sunlight and the right amount of moisture and the weeds does not choke the plants and that tree can grow as it ought. One day that thing goes from being a seed to a massive apple tree that produces hundreds of apples that all have the potential. They all carry seed. So they all have the potential of producing hundreds, if not thousands of more trees. And this is on a yearly basis. So that one seed can make really thousands and thousands of trees with probably hundreds of thousands of, of fruit that contains even more seeds. This is how God operates. Everything comes in seed form. Same with the, the production of a baby. It takes seed in order to produce a person, a, a, a child. So when God speaks to us, he speaks to us through his word, or let me say it this way. He speaks his word to us. Because if I say through his word, we think the Bible. And there's so much emphasis, and I'm not saying the Bible isn't important. I'll never say that. It's important for us to discern uh, the spirit that's speaking to us. We can't do that without the scriptures. But when he speaks to us, it's not always a scripture. It's his word that he's speaking to us. So if he just gave us a simple word, you shall be successful, you'll never find that particular word in the scripture. But if God is speaking that over your life, then that is his word. And his word comes to us in seed form. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus explained to them after giving them a parable, he said, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So he gives us this example to understand. If we understand how seed work, then we can understand how God's word works. When God speaks a word, it's always about the potential. Now, it's going to be up to us for that word to produce where it's no longer a seed, but eventually becomes a tree with the ability to produce apples and more seed. So we don't want potential. We have to mix the word with faith. In Hebrews chapter four, verse two, he said, for unto us was the gospel, the good news. And we covered this on last week. The good news was preached. What is the good news is the revealed will of God It's not always the life and death of Jesus Christ, but it's the revealed will of God. That's the gospel. So for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. There is a requirement for us to mix faith with God's word. How do I do that? It means I take God's word and I believe him. If he speaks a word over my life, I don't contradict. I don't question I don't waver. I don't mix it with unbelief, 
but I take what the Lord is saying and I believe him. Now understand this, oftentimes there's a journey in the process of coming into deeper understanding. So I've talked with a lot of people to say, this is what the Lord said. And I'm thinking oftentimes that's not quite what he's saying, but at least you're believing what he's saying. And that's a good starting place. And so as you walk with the Lord and you journey with him, he'll begin to make his word plain. He'll make it very clear to us as you remain on the path. It becomes clearer as you get closer to the end of receiving the promise. And we'll go through some examples of this uh, at a later time. If we see the life of Abraham as God clarified his word to him on several occasions. Okay. So we're dealing with the concept of the word. God speaks a word to us. That word has to be mixed with faith. And in that word, it contains righteousness. It contains purpose. It's the revealed will of God for our lives. What step we are to follow. And so this is the path of righteousness Scripture talks about how he reveals the paths of righteousness or in the book of Psalms, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You can't do anything in God's name, in the name of Jesus, unless it's been already revealed to you by him. I can't go and just own a business and say, I'm doing this in Jesus name. It only becomes in his name once he revealed This is what I desire for you to do. So all that is in the word. The word reveals righteousness to us. It reveals the path. It reveals the steps that we're to take. That word is the potential. And we don't walk into the fullness of it until we walk the story out. The steps to get there. So. It's revealed to Moses that you are called to be a deliverer. Now, how do we accomplish that? He could have gone and joined in with another nation and used military force to go in and bring deliverance to the nation of Israel. But God says, we're not going to do it that way. I want you to be my mouthpiece and go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So we don't get to determine, hey, God revealed to me I'm a deliverer, right? But you can't decide how that's going to play out. You have to know the steps, and that's only revealed by his word. This is an ongoing journey. So it's not a one-time revelation, but there are steps. As we're walking with the Lord, the Lord is revealing his will to us, and it's requiring our obedience so that we can get the fullness of what he's promising to us in his word. Let's go back to Matthew chapter five, verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. What I want us to notice is number one, there's two groups of people that he mentions in this passage. Jesus says the scribes and then he says the Pharisees. So those are the two groups. And then he says that your righteousness has to exceed them. So he's not saying that what the scribes are doing is not righteous in God's eyes. 
He's also not saying that what the Pharisees are doing is not righteous in God's eyes. He's saying to come to the level of righteousness as God has determined. Remember, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. So the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of man, not our plans, not our desires, but God's righteousness in order to reach this level of or standard that God has called us to, number one, it has to exceed what the scribes is doing. Number two, it has to exceed what the Pharisees are doing, which means that what they are both doing is good. They're on a path of righteousness, but the standard God has for all of us has to exceed what both of these groups are doing. So let's first talk about the first group. Who are the scribes? The scribes were recorders. They were men learned in the Mosaic law and in the sacred writings and interpretations, the teachings. The scribes, they examined the more difficult and subtle questions of the law. They were enrolled in the Sanhedrin, and they were often mentioned in connection with the priests and the elders of the people. So these were experts of the law. We got our second group, which is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were Jewish leaders, and they sought for distinction and praise by outer observance of external rites and by outward forms of piety and also ceremonial washings, fastings, prayer, the giving of alms. Um, they, they prided themselves on their fancied good works. And I think this is important to, uh, to highlight that particular aspect of their lifestyles. Now, you will often find taught in the Christian community that the Pharisees were uh, enemies of Jesus. That is not 100% true. Jesus did have issues with the Sadducees, the Pharisees, um, the scribes, the attorneys, the lawyers, um, the elders, but it wasn't all of them. If you go back and read the stories, even when Jesus was being anointed for his death, when Mary came and anointed his feet, that was done in one of the homes of the Pharisees. So Jesus often broke bread with this group and there will be a group that would show up and challenge him. So it wasn't like it was Pharisees versus Jesus. Jesus did have relationships uh, with many other Pharisees. And we know that it was Nicodemus that came and talked to him by night. So there's quite a few relationships that Jesus held with these different groups. So let's put together what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 5. He's making the statement that there is a level of righteousness that God has established for man. The scribes are doing something correct, but it doesn't reach high enough. The Pharisees are doing something correct, but it does not reach high enough. So God requires our righteousness to go beyond the scribes and the Pharisees. So let's deal with the first group. The scribes were those given to the Mosaic law. I know many teach that we are not under the law, and it's almost as if the law has been done away with, but that is not accurate. We are not under the law. We are under grace. But being under grace does not make the law void. It doesn't abolish the law. So Jesus was very clear. Matthew chapter five, same chapter. Jesus said, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. 
I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So the lifestyle that God has required of us really is one that doesn't require the law. There's no law requiring you to love. There's no law demanding that you love. Galatians 5 explains that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Watch this. Against such, there is no law. This is the lifestyle God requires of us. If we live this lifestyle of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc., there's no laws that are required for us to live under. But when we don't treat each other the way we should, when we are treacherous, that's a scripture, a, a term used in the scripture, when we are unjust towards each other, when we don't handle our brothers and our sisters the way that we ought, then guess what? The law is necessary. But if we lived right according to the spirit, being led by the spirit of God, if we take the loss and say, you know what, you could take my part. If we kept our word, how about that? Just give our word and keep it. Then laws aren't necessary. We wouldn't have a judge. We wouldn't have attorneys because they would have no jobs. But the problem is men are deceitful. Men are liars. They don't keep their word. And now we need judges to step in. And now laws are required. If we live the lifestyle under grace and we extend grace to people, the scripture says that we are stewards of God's grace. As I've received grace from God, I'm now required to be a steward of his grace and extend grace to others. Same with mercy. So if I'm always extending grace, I'm always extending mercy. Guess what? There are no laws. But when I don't do that, then now laws are necessary in order to reconcile issues between in conflicts between brothers and sisters. All right. So the scribes represents the law. Though we understand we're no, no longer under the law, we're under grace. It's important that we understand what Jesus said regarding the law of Moses. In Matthew 22, verse 35, he said, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? At verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all of thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The law is not done away with. What Jesus did was he said that if we'll keep these two commandments, then the entire 613 laws of Moses will be fulfilled. That means that the law is not done away with, is not void. There's still a requirement that we live according to these two particular laws. And guess what? If you love your neighbor as yourself, then that settles all the other laws. It's really a lifestyle, as I've already explained, of grace, a lifestyle of mercy, a lifestyle where when I give my word and keep my word, then there's no need for the law to be used. There's nothing that has to be vindicated. There's no um, punitive damages that needs to be given to anyone because you kept your word. I kept my word. I handled you in love. I handled you in grace. I handled you in mercy. And so we have kept the law of God. 
In James chapter 2, verse 8, James said, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. So there are still laws we are required to keep. This is New Testament teachings. He said at verse 9, But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. That means you broke the law. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of it all. Verse 11, for he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Verse 12, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. This is the lifestyle of liberty I described. A lifestyle of joy, peace, long-suffering. Against such, there is no law. That's the lifestyle of liberty. So we're required to live this lifestyle. At verse 13, he went on to say, For he shall have judgment without mercy, that have showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. It's a lifestyle of grace, it's a lifestyle of mercy that we're called to have, and it's a lifestyle that lives according to the law that states, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So this is the New Testament law that we're required to live by, these two laws. Love God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. Love thy neighbor as you would love yourself. And if you live this way, then you have fulfilled this portion of righteousness is really, in essence, the lifestyle that the scribes were striving to live. So now we have righteousness according to the Pharisees. What were they? They were a group given to good works and to piety. They felt that serving God meant to do good and to give alms. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, it says to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I'm going to read this out of a different translation so that we don't lose what is being expressed here. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Here's another translation. Do good in a fellowship. Be not forgetful. So he's dealing with the concept of fellowship. That's what it means to communicate. He refers to these as sacrifices. Good works is a sacrifice. The giving of alms is a sacrifice. Working in the community, all these things, helping those in need, all of this is a sacrifice. So let's read it again. To do good and to fellowship or communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Guess what? These are sacrifices. Doing good works is sacrifices. Fellowship is sacrifices. So that's the Pharisees. And then we got those that are trying to live a good life. I don't swear. I don't curse. I'm honest. I keep my word. I'm not given to riotous living. I don't party anymore. So that, in essence, falls under the group of the scribes living according to the law, living according to the commandments of God. So now we have the scribes and we have the Pharisees. But we have a third part that is missing. What is this third part if we're to exceed these two groups, the Pharisees and the scribes? 
So what's this third part? It's Jesus Christ. It's the aspect of faith. How do we know this? Because the just shall live by faith. That word just means righteous. The righteous shall live by faith. This is the requirement if you're going to have a lifestyle of righteousness. There's three scriptures that have this concept, the just shall live by faith. The first is Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. They're in what? They're in the gospel. They're in the revealed will of God is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Let's read this again. I'm going to change these words. No man is made righteous, justified by the law in the sight of God. But the law is not done away with. It's still a requirement. You can't lie. You can't swear. You can't murder. You can't kill. But it doesn't make us righteous. It's still a requirement. But that alone does not make us righteous. It's these three parts together. So it is evident for the just shall live by faith. We can't take one part and throw the other part out. We got people that are, are living according to the word of God. What, is it, what I'm saying by that, the revealed will. I'm pursuing God's will for my life. But guess what? You can't break the law either. You got to do both. And that third part, of course, would be piety and good works. I can't ignore those that are in need. Thank you for joining us on today. We're going to cover this again on next week. Be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed.